I've all but gotten rid of mom guilt because at some point I realized that if I'd chosen to do something that was taking me away from my family, it was because at some level it gave me a lot of happiness. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Britt Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer, make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. In today's episode, we're talking to the original supermom, my friend Daphne Oz. She has four kids under seven. She's a best-selling cookbook author, and she's host of the podcast Mom Brain, where she literally talks to moms about everything. So who's better to talk parenting tips and tricks with? My co-founder Ange and I recently had the chance to sit down and pick Daphne's mom brain. Check it out. Hey guys, it's Britt. And Ange. And we are talking all about parenting today. I'm so ready for this. We're sort of masters at this. I mean, working through it. I have two boys, three and five. I have two girls, almost three and six months. So we're in the thick of it. We definitely are. What do you think is the most surprising thing you've learned about being a parent? I mean, the like emo one is just like how much more I love my husband because I'm like, very impressed by his ability to parent. Mm. But then I would say also just the transition from one to two has been like a freight train, Mack truck, like just insane transition that I just was not prepared for. I kept warning you about this. I know. I mean, people did. Mine were back to back. So it was like I had no time to think about it. And then the freight train just swept me away. But now I'm like, but maybe I could do three. I know, you're but crazy. I, I mean, we're going to ask Daphne Daphne about has double what we have. I don't even understand. <laughs> yeah, she has all our kids. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's so true. Ugh. Okay, what's the hardest thing no one told you oh, that was going to happen beforehand, before oh being a parent? Gosh. I feel like just like the mental energy that you expend in like a five-minute period mm. is very surprising. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'm like, everything was actually, it went pretty well, but I'm exhausted. I think for me, it's like always second guessing if I'm being a good enough parent as I'm parent. I'm trying to do the right thing, but what is the right thing? Like no one, there's not parenting school. Mm-hmm. I mean, this podcast is sort of yeah. be, oh, hopefully yeah. this, this is, this episode welcome is to parenting, parenting school, school everybody. <laughs> Where We don't know how to be parents and neither do you. So let's all learn. <laughs> So joining us today is my friend Daphne Oz, who, like we said, has four kids and several full-time jobs. She is here to teach me something new about parenting. Welcome, Daphne. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So happy to be here. Um, okay, before we get into parenting, I want to talk about you. You're an author, a podcast host, host of The Dish on Oz on The Dr. Oz Show, and you're such an open book when it comes to your family and people can't get enough So what is it about you that you think people can relate to so much? You know, I think, while speaking to parenting specifically, since I just heard that we're in parenting school today, (laughs) um, I I do think that I'm not funny. I'm not even a little bit funny. But my kids are really funny. And I find a lot of humor in the insanity and chaos that is my life right now. And I try to share that candor, that humor, that you know, rawness, but also recognizing that they're really good, fun, nice parts of my life, too, that I also want to share about. And so I feel like I try to walk this balance of being very real, being very honest, um, 
but also being really celebratory and in the moment. And I think that I, I hope that people um, find that to be inspiring in some way and fun and like, you know, a breath of fresh air and what can sometimes be a really overwhelming time in people's lives. I talk about everything. Also, I talk about makeup and beauty and like fashion and fun, girly, you know, female stuff. <laughs> and then, no, actually, you know what? A lot of guys like that too. Yeah. Whatever. I talk about like the glamorous stuff. Right. And then I also talk about um, weight loss and stretch marks and pregnancy and um, and fitness and wellness and brain, like just getting your head and brain screwed on straight after kids, which I think a lot of, um, you know, I do talk to a lot of women and, and certainly on Instagram, that's really, I'm speaking to, I think, a lot of parents who are in exactly the same life stage I'm in. Um, and so it's nice to feel like just seen and heard by someone who maybe you think has figured out some things that you're still trying to figure out, but in many ways is still living exactly the same weird Groundhog Day you're living. <laughs> Groundhog Day is the best word for it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Every day I'm like, we have to do it again? I know. <laughs> but I fed you yesterday. I know. I you, know. you took that bath in the baby pool yesterday. I know. Are you doing this again? <laughs> Play the same games again? <laughs> but the Itsy Bitsy Spider, he's still going up that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the same story yeah. again. Oh. But the days are long and the years are short, so they say. Correct? That is, yeah. Well, so my my oldest just turned six, and I was having this very sentimental moment about it for a while, for leading up to it, actually, because um, my birthday was on the 17th, and so there's this nine-day gap. And I remember so distinctly six years ago when she was born that, like, those nine days felt like a lifetime between I just I turned 28 and then I had her nine days later, and it felt like— I was a completely different person after she was born. And then, you know, and 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 they your first does change you dramatically. And um, and you're kind of just flying by the seat of your pants. But as she's gotten older, what most amazes me is like how how aware of things she is. She hears everything, she forgets nothing. She's such a little grown-up now. The things that come out of her mouth just boggle the mind on the regular. And I was having this real feeling of the last six years have been exhausting, like really long, hard days a lot of the time, but have gone so fast also. Mm -hmm. And it does. So anyway, the, the days yeah. are very long and mm -hmm. the years are so short. What's so funny is my oldest, Ansel, is almost six. I think I so, sort of remember being pregnant yes. alongside yes. you for the first one. And then my second one is almost four. Yours is John is four. Four. Okay. Yes. So I feel like I hung in there with you. You did. You during the face. first and the second. And <laughs> then that's one like, and two together. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna step out of this for a minute. And you just kept going. You just were like, oh, oh so then maybe we were on the same. Yeah. Yes. For you know, your I cycled two. over. Oh to my Ange. god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Relay tapped her in. Yes. <laughs> that's perfect. So and you have a six month old little girl. I you said, do, and yes. that's Gigi's our baby, who's six oh months old. And then Nika, who's in between, is almost. Well, she's just turned two actually. So she. So we have. Are you two girls? Are two you, girls. So, yeah. So, they're synced up. There you go. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so, now you're hosting this podcast, Mom Brain, with Hilaria Baldwin. Yeah. Who's another mom of four. Yes. So, two people who have eight children. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are the biggest struggles that you've noticed that these moms have in common? Um. Well, look, I think, you know, I, I, I heard you reference this, and I think it's really true. I think every single mom— feels like she's not doing enough, feels like she is um, falling short in some way. And look, I think on the one hand, you've never cared about doing something well so much in your life. So you really want to like ace this test. And there is no, there's no, it's not even a guarantee. There's no like perfect, 
path or plan or steps to follow, especially if you're type A and you went through, I mean, look, our schooling system says do X, Y, and Z, and then you'll get this grade. You know, if you don't get the grade you want, here's the extra credit you can do to make up for it. That's not how parenting works. It's every day you give 110% and they will take more than that if you have it. And you're like, it's it's this bottomless pit that you can pour everything into. And I, so I, I always think, although I have tried to eradicate it from my life, I actually tried when I had it still to put a very positive spin on mom guilt as like, you only have mom guilt because you want to do such a good job, you mm-hmm. know, and it, because you care so much about your kids. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that there is also a, you know, grand sense that um, everybody else has figured something out that you haven't. And what I've, you know, I, I contemplate and meditate on this frequently. <laughs> um, not actual meditation. Everything's mm-hmm. very loud in my life at all times. <laughs> but, um, but that you don't maybe appreciate or recognize the things that you have figured out, that you have mastered, that you do better than any other parent could possibly do for your kids. I do think a lot of that also comes back to self-care, which is something I also talk a lot about with moms on Mom Brain too, um, because I think we're finally coming to a place where people realize it's not you're not selfish or a bad person if you need to take care of yourself. You know, mm-hmm. like you're totally. a human. Just a warm bath. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> hot, yeah, like a hot coffee every once in a while. Right. I would like it to be hot. And and yeah, I, I just little moments to get give your brain that chance to recalibrate and for you to feel like yourself. So I believe that happy kids have happy parents to show them how it's done. So I'd love to hear from you about like the transition from one to two to three to four <laughs> yeah. and sort of how you evolve, but also your parenting style. I think when you have your first child, that that, um, when I had Philomena, it was uh, the time for me that was most fraught because I felt like every time I was away from her, I was trading away things that were I was never going to get back. And um, every time I was with her, I was feeling like I um, was missing, you know, really important career opportunities. With the second, I made the mistake of thinking I was an expert in parenting, where the reality is you're only ever an expert in the child you have. And every child is so different. So I felt like I really, um, had to wise up quickly with, with my son, John. And then the third and the fourth has been a little bit like adding, um, animals at the zoo because I already have like the infrastructure in place, but it gets progressively nuttier and nuttier. Why? Because you have to cage them all at all <laughs> yeah, times. That, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> keep, keep, keep the animals happy. Um, no, but like I have my nanny. I have like my rhythm to my days. I have my life set up now for the accoutrement of childhood, which is just like all the fucking cribs and bottles and like <laughs> diapers, white diapers and white... trash cans, like special, you know, special, you know, special. We now carry like doggy, you know, poop bags, whatever they're called to like put the diaper oh, in. Yeah, this is like the same. newest thing that I That's never like did before. Trick. Oh, it's oh, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. If you're on an airplane and you are changing diapers as often as I seem to be, you like scoop it up, put it into, you know, whatever, change the diaper, close the diaper up, put it into a doggy poop bag and it doesn't smell anymore. And yeah. here's an airplane in the car. trick, everybody. Yeah. Double diaper your kid before the airplane. So that when they're in their seat, you just pull out the, the diaper one closest to their skin and the other one's already on. Yeah, I don't think my kids are either coordinated enough to do that. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> but I I've like done it. it and it's magical. <laughs> it mainly works for pee, not poop. So if I was going to say, you're yeah, in yeah. trouble. My kids eat a lot you know, of fruit. You can just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, mine clearly are on the junk food diet. So there we go. But I will say one of the fringe benefits of adding a lot of kids at once is that, um, you know, you you are really confronted by the reality that as, mu- as capable as you are and as, you know, there's this whole like, 
you can have it all but not at once sort of thing going on. But there's only 24 hours in the day. And I think, you know, you you realize that um, with the first, I felt like 24 hours, seven days a week were supposed to be devoted to her. And now I realize that on the one hand, I really do strive for individual time with each of them. But, you know, I also realize that those 24 hours have to be allotted amongst the four of them and my husband and myself and everything else that I do. So it's, I, I've become much gentler with myself. And I think that that is, re- and, and I, like I said, I've all but gotten rid of mom guilt because at some point, um, I realized that if I'd chosen to do something that was taking me away from my family, it was because at some level it gave me a lot of happiness and that I was allowed to choose that happiness um, and allowed to and allowed to pursue that and that that did not uh, that did not if anything, it actually made my time with them that much more powerful, happy um, and positive for them in the long run. Hmm. Was there any surprise with each consecutive kit? Did it get did it? feel like after three, you know, it's not even another kid, you know, similar to the animals in the zoo, like, because you have the infrastructure, like, should you just, are you going to keep having more kids? You know, I, (laughs) right now, I do feel like my cup runneth over. (laughs) You're not? Well, I just feel like, um, right now, again, my life feels very, very full right now. And I want to, my, Gigi's six months old. Like, I want her to have the individual time with me She's going to have less of it, obviously, but some of the individual time with me that her siblings got. And I don't want her to her childhood to feel rushed because she's forced to be the big kid because there's a baby right behind her. For me personally, this is something that someone said on our on our podcast, actually, that she said, you know, I thought I could I knew I could be a great mom to one, a good mom to two, the mom I want to be to three. But beyond that, I just didn't think I could continue to be I could continue to mom at the level I want to hold myself to. And that really gave me pause to think about, like, what can I realistically manage? I know, look, I my grandmother has six. My mom has four. Like, I've seen modeled for me exactly what I hope to be as a mother with lots of kids. Um, but I think I'm not rushing to it right this second. And, and Just go know, for the baker's dozen, Daphne. Just, just <laughs> oh, get yeah, it done. Just 13. Yeah. Load them up. Just get it right. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, I want to talk through what I think are some of the hardest parts of parenting to see how you navigate. Okay. So first, one of your specialties, mealtime. Yes. Okay, a lot of your career has been about food. You have, like, done this whole thing on elevated healthy food, and the kitchen is obviously the center of your home. So how do you think that's influenced how your kids eat? Are they amazing eaters? What I find really interesting about getting kids to eat well and and. Far and away, the question I get asked the most is how help me with my picky eaters. Like help me figure out how to make mealtime not stressful and exhausting. And the number one thing I will say is my grandmother said to me, she said, don't make your kids resist you more than the food. And it stuck with me because I really do feel like mealtime can become a battle. It can absolutely become a bargaining negotiation. If you eat this one pea, I'll give you, you know, a chocolate chip cookie. The scales are very out of balance. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, and I think what I started doing, because Philomena 
Mina, my first ate like a champ until she was about two and a half. And then for some reason, right then she decided she hated all fruit. To this day, she will only eat apples, does not like any other sweet fruit, um, which I find bizarre. And, um, and you know, really put me through the ringer in terms of I, I thought I was this ace mom who like, you know, my kids just eat everything because I love the kitchen and I love to cook. And it's not that at all. <laughs> it was just that until two, they do whatever you want and then they get they get like their brain on and they start to have preference and they start to have ego associated with that preference. So what we do now, and it's been really effective for us, is um, meal times that are family table. So I will make you know, three or four different things. Um, and I'll put them family style in the center of the table and the kids are allowed to serve themselves from those central plates. And what that does is a couple of things. It gives them free will, free agency, like they can choose how, what the portion of each thing that they take is. But we have the rule that big kids try everything once. So what, what does a big kid mean? Big kid means John and Philip. Means people who can okay. li- li- like physically like take four the food. And up. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. think you know, I think I mean, it depends how precocious you're. If you have a three year old who like you know feeds themselves really consistently, then I think probably them too. But um, but what what they you know I don't fight with them beyond that first bite. But I do insist that they try everything. And part of it's a respect deal for me for having put it on the table for them. But part of it's a respect deal for them. They feel so proud of themselves when they own honor that rule, even if they hate it. Like you know, whatever. And and occasionally it is a one bite and I'm not having any more of this thing. But what I've seen more and more, it takes kids up to 20 times of being exposed to a taste to actually develop taste buds for it. And what I've seen is more and more as I repeat dishes, they're reaching for things they hated in the beginning, which is super exciting. What's an example um, of something they hated that they love now? Um, like, you know, we went through a phase where um, – they ate meat. Uh, we make like turkey meatballs, and they would eat them all the time. And then they went through a phase where they hated them. They just decided texturally they didn't like them anymore. And by, by the way, kids are lazy, so make things bite sized for them. And and in some cases, I'll actually chop it up pretty small so that like there's much less chewing involved, so they don't have to work their way through things. Um, but now they decided they didn't like it. I cycled it out for you know three months, and then I brought it back once a week with in different variations and things. I I put like mashed pinto beans in. I find sneaky ways to put extra fiber in or put veggies in. I'll do like a broccoli cheddar meatball with um, with chicken, and now. They start loving them again, and and part of it's like you put dipping sauce down. You know, you put a little mm-hmm. barbecue sauce or a little ketchup or a little um, like I will do like a creamy yogurt dip for them, giving them ways to make it feel celebratory and fancy. And again, they're sitting at this table where they see that. And look, my husband and I both work. We don't always get to sit down for dinner, which is one of do my you make biggest dinner regrets. Every night too. I make a lot of things on like those meatballs. I'll make on Sundays and freeze them. I'll cook them and freeze them so they're really easy to heat up. The kitchen has always been a place of joy for me. It's mm-hmm. always been a place I go to de-stress. It's where I grew up cooking with my mom. It's how I develop my love of food. I bring the kids into the kitchen with me whenever I'm in there. And so if it's going to stress me out to try to do something crazy and elaborate, I don't do it. I totally agree with you. I'm definitely like in training on this, I mm-hmm. would say, because my kids are really picky and it's been really tough. But um, so I just bought mini cookie cutters. Yes. And like sandwich cookie, sandwich cutters. Mm-hmm. So I cut their sandwiches in little jigsaw puzzle shapes and I cut little fun. like bell peppers with cookie cutters and I give them fun little pokey sticks with like animals on them totally. in their lunch boxes to pick their food up and just be silly. And so just that has gone so far. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it was like 20 bucks on Amazon. It's, it's, so like little, to your point, like giving them the authority to play 
play, Mm -hmm. like thinking about food as play has been really useful, at least in my life. And this is literally like two weeks in, so I don't have much data yet. A thousand percent. I'm thrilled to hear it. (laughs) Sample set of two, but I love it. Yeah, we're still not making broccoli meatballs, but we'll get there. (laughs) Well, we've started doing a thing where we have the ingredients on the table because I feel like at least my almost three-year-old doesn't like mix things. Yes. Like pasta and veggies can't be together, but she'll eat them if they're not together. That's exactly. And so I'll be like, do you want to, we're going to mix it up. It's up to you what you want to do. And that's been really good. But um, when you're able to eat dinner with your kids, you know, without, you know, work engagements and so on, do you always try to do that? Do you have advice about not rushing through it? Yeah, about sitting together and sitting for mealtime? No, it's, I mean... So I, I'm the oldest of four, and my dad um, <clears throat> was in medical school when I was born and then in residency throughout a lot of my early childhood. And so I remember my my family dinner waiting till like 9.30 at night to eat dinner frequently on, on school nights, you know, and because we wanted to eat as a family and because we wouldn't see my dad otherwise. You know, he left at, you know, five in the morning before we were up. So um, I think that our our preference would be to eat together even if it's you know 20 minutes most kids don't, mm-hmm. most kids cannot sit at a table at our ages for longer than 20 minutes and i think look i don't know if if adults if if um humans just had better attention spans in the past because you watch these movies from like the 60s or they're movies they're movies they're <laughs> fake they're fake but, but but you know, even and look everyone sees the past with rose colored glasses or whatever but I'll talk to my grandma about dinner time with her six children you know and it, she makes it sound like everyone sat at the table the Brady Bunch yeah it's the Brady Bunch nope. and, and maybe they had less to do away from the table so what was more enticing than being there with, you know it's entertaining to be there with sure. your family but um but I think 20 minutes is kind of like what what we can definitely guarantee we can get to. And one of the things that I've found has been super helpful has been asking, you know, everyone's tempted, oh, well, how was your day? It has been to be really specific with my questions. I love that. And I think it's also important for parents to share about their day. Mm-hmm. thousand percent. Especially the moments that were frustrating or hard or mm-hmm. sad mm-hmm. To, to just model that like, yeah, I had a really hard morning this morning. I was late for my meeting and somebody like got mad at me and then I had apologized and I felt bad through lunch. But then like I did this thing and I gave somebody a gift and it like all made me feel better. You know, like yeah. however, you know, you it, honestly, you can share about your day. Mm-hmm. I know that my kids are like, oh, I'm sorry you felt that way. You know, it makes it okay for too. them yeah. to feel that way. Oh, well, of course. They think, they assume everything in your life and everything about you is perfect. Right. So it's really nice for them to see your, what you struggle with and how you got through it and to ask their advice. Um, we had Adam Grant on and he was telling us about how he, one of the best things he and his, two things he told us about that he and his wife do that like have revolutionized how I parent and how I'm married. Number one is that he asked his kids for advice on how they would handle a situation. So like if you were late for a meeting and someone got mad at you or hurt your feelings, you know, what would you have done? And it depends how old your kids are, but what would you have done in that scenario? And, you know, listening to their advice is they feel so, you know, rewarded by having been able to give that to you. Um, And the second thing he does is he and his wife have family meeting once a week. So I don't know about you guys with your husbands, but like, there was a time where every time I talked to John on the phone, I'd be like, did you remember to order blah? Or did you get the tickets for X? Or did you follow up on blah? And it's and it makes every conversation stressful. Yeah. You don't have the follow through at that moment anyway. You just feel like you're constantly peppering things in. And it ruins the vibe of the limited and special time you have together. So he said, run your run your marriage, since your family is like a company anyway, the way you run a company, have these board meetings, quote unquote, once a week, where you keep a list throughout the week of the 
minutiae and the annoying tasks and the daily sort of upkeep that you have to do and you deal with it all at a certain time of week and that frees the rest of your interactions to be sexy and fun and playful the way that it was when yes. you were just dating. We <laughs> do this. We call it the operations meeting. And knows it's on my calendar. That. It it's really like is. The Dave Times <laughs> Dave and Brett meeting of the week. That's so nice. But um yeah, I highly recommend that for any couples because also like the the negative is like husbands think wives nag them, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's of course. the narrative of like couplehood and I guess on that note like how do you make time for your husband what is your like date night situation is there still romance (laughs) in the air yes there you know again I go back to the versions of motherhood and the versions of marriage that I had modeled for me in in particular in my grandparents and in my in my mom and dad and their marriage was always the foundation of the family. That It was always very clear to me that they were the priority for each other and that the kids were a product of that love and of that union. Um, but like that, that support of that relationship was really paramount. And so John and I absolutely, um, you know, view, view every dollar we spend on childcare as an investment in our marriage, view like those, you know, the, the, the one or two times a week where we get to have adult dinner, just the two of us as critical. I had no idea how much deeper and more vulnerable and more private and personal our relationship could become, which it did after children, because Mm -hmm. having kids like cracks you open and makes you so raw in a way that, um, like you're just so fried and working on, you know, 10% fuel. You just don't have the energy to hide anything or to be like your best self all the time. You know, they have to take you as you are. And I think that that's a really important thing to get to, like if your relationship is in a good place, that that makes you that much stronger and more connected um, in the most incredible way. And I think a big um, follow through that he and I have both committed to on that is, is like, Say yes a lot of the time to everything you can. <laughs> Including all the romance. <laughs> yes. Just say yes. <laughs> and and I think, look, I think a lot of women hear them. They're like, but I'm so tired. Yeah. Or like, I haven't showered and I just like don't feel like myself. And like, oh. I don't feel pretty. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel, feel attractive. attractive. And by the way, I hate to break it to you. Like, women have to feel pretty and attractive to want to have sex. Yes. It's just like, it's all <laughs> in your head. <laughs> like it's so just, psychological. It's so psychological. Um, but I think that it's really easy to fall into a rut or fall into a habit. Um, and all the husbands and guys will be very happy to hear me say this, to fall into like, to have the comfort zone of your brain pathway be, no, not tonight, maybe another time later next week when we set a date, when we put in the calendar, like all this stuff. And I think you have to, prime yourself to to like to have the easiest answer be yes to have the easiest answer be connection not resistance or rejection because that becomes habit so easily and it becomes really toxic long term you know and, and that's something that i think look parenting is really challenging and and one of the ways that i think i continually feel filled up and rejuvenated is is by the way that my husband looks at me by the way that we feel together that that like that he makes me f- he reminds me of what we were when we first started dating and our youth. And like we met when we were 18 in college. So like there's a lot of history same, to same that too. Same, same, same. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> 19, but that. basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, you, but you're reminded of who you were as a kid too, yeah. which I think makes you more playful, makes you take things less seriously, makes you have fun. And I, um, anyway, I do, I really, really prioritize that. We, um, <laughs> schedule date nights and window romance windows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I like romance windows. <laughs> romance windows 
is a new term I'm coining right now. You're welcome. Is that because your kids can read and you can say <laughs> I just, I'm like, are they going to list? I don't know. I think I'm from Texas and like the word sex is still a little scary. That's but, hilarious. Um, but, um, How old are you? I know. <laughs> Basically 12. Um, <laughs> I need to do a teach me something new about sex. It's going to happen. Um, okay. So, but, so the windows are opportunities, not like, Total agreements. Ah, uh, interesting. So they're windows of possibility. <laughs> it's <not an> IOU. <laughs> they're like, in these four windows this week, we might hit one or two. But these are the windows. And outside of that, it's probably not going to happen because yeah. I'm going to probably be tired right after work these days of the week. And like these mornings, I like have this thing, you know. So so the windows, yeah. I think it's really, and I and I read a lot about this and I think it's it's great, actually. I know it sounds overplanned and crazy, but like then you no. both just know that something's going to happen and these are the times it's going to happen. And you can still be like adventurous and creative about how that happens. Yeah. But and um, the anticipation, like don't underscore, you know, that <laughs> and don't don't write that off. It's yeah. huge. And also even just that like emotional excitement feeling, even if nothing actually happens, is like part of you guys coming together, part of you guys reconnecting. And I think I love what you said that it's opportunity, not guarantee, because I do think people can get more stressed out. Like Valentine's Day is really stressful oh, people yeah. because they're like, do I have to? Like what is, you know, what yeah. is this? And I think that you 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 know, you want to leave the the enticing allure, like, open, maybe. Maybe, right. you know, have some of that guesswork still there. There's yeah. definitely some feminine See? mystique. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Right. I agree with my strategy. <laughs> Thank you, Daphne, She's for so confirming. smart. I know. <laughs> so we talked about kids. Let's talk about you. Okay. Holding it all together. Woo. I know. I know you've <laughs> been really open about body image after four pregnancies you've shared lots of photos even in your underwear which total kudos i, I think, think what's I funny actually is i think it was a bathing suit but i think it looks even like in underwear. a bathing suit <laughs> that looks like underwear <laughs> why is it so important for you to be sharing your journey um you know i really do think that on the one hand, for me, you know, in my mind before I had kids, I was going to be scrapbooking and I was going to have all these beautiful albums all the time. And I just don't do that as much as I'd love to. So Instagram ends up being my own personal photo album in many ways and a video photo album, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. So um, because of that, I, I, I think that, you know, I want to be able to keep a real record of the things that are happening in my life on the positive side of things. And I think that I have over a, many years of working through it in my own brain and reading about it and talking to my mom and talking to friends, I, you know, I've I've gotten pretty good at seeing the positive learning aspect of even challenging parts of life. Look, I spent my life on television. I think that most people on television are size zero, size two, size four, maybe. You know, I'm a size eight, 10, 12, pregnant four times. Right. I think a lot of women who've grown up with me on TV have seen me, you know, going between all those sizes, knowing that I'm not like a snap back into form right away and really appreciating seeing someone who represents, I, I shudder to say like a real woman because the, the other women are real women too. They just happen to be really blessed that they, <laughs> that, they, that they can snap back into their jeans right away. And that was never my story. And I, I really do want to be able to give women who I think um, struggle to find where the silver lining of that is or or finding strength to do it for themselves or finding, um, you know, like I like sometimes I'll put up that picture, the one that you referenced that people think I'm in my underwear in a bathing suit. Um, <laughs> but I and I would hear from some people who literally said things like, I can't believe, you know, 
either they were like pseudo compliments, like I'm, you know, I'm proud of you showing your raw form, even when you don't look good, like that kind of thing, which is like, okay. Or, or there'll be really nasty comments from, you know, usually like fat men, which I find hilarious. Um, being like, oh, you, I mean, you really shouldn't go out in public like this. Like, why don't you keep that covered up? Like really crazy wow. stuff, which just, just block them makes, immediately. I mean, I don't, whatever. I would, I probably, I would, I just, I don't, I don't even really want to engage. If I'm not going to engage with every one of the thousands of positives, I'm not going to engage with the one negative. But, um, but I definitely makes me want to like post more because I, because I just feel for, for me, I know that's insane. But I think there are a lot of people who don't know that's insane, who don't know that like you do not need to hide if you're on your path to feeling in your in your best skin, feeling strong on your skin again. You you get to keep living your life and you get to keep feeling good because you're doing something good for yourself or because you've just had a baby and brought a human into the world, you know, or or because like you had a rough year and you let yourself go a little bit and now you're coming back. Like it just I really felt like um for the mental health of, the, of primarily the women who follow me that it that it was important for me to share the good and the bad or the 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 good and the better, you know, yeah. I think um and I I again, I just have felt really rewarded and validated by the conversations I get to have as a result of this body positivity I've I've tried to champion because um, there are days where I feel bad too. And I feel like, oh, fuck, like, why is it plateauing? Why don't, why aren't I seeing the progress I want to see? And I get lifted up by feeling, especially now I, I just joined WW as our new ambassador. And I have been overwhelmed by the people I've heard from who are like, you don't even know I lost, you know, this like 30 pounds I've been lugging around for 20 years by following this program that never made me feel like food was my enemy or off limits. And that's what I've preached for 10, 15 years now. So it's really cool to get to like connect with this group of people who really are very much in that same life phase as mm. I am. I love that. So shifting things over to work a yes. little bit, um, yes. you know, we sort of hate the term balancing at all because that's yeah, not a annoying. thing. <laughs> and it's also not something people ever ask men about. Oh, like no, ever? because they just showed up and yeah. they're, that's balanced. Yeah, they're, they're just like, like okay, check time in. Here. Um, but how do you have tips on being really present at work and continuing to do new things and advance in your career while also growing these kiddos? Yes. Um, you know, first, uh, going back to what I said a little earlier about um, choosing happiness. I think that that's really been a big one for me of recognizing that if if I have made the choice, like I'm in, I'm in a position and I recognize this is not the case for everyone where like the work I choose to do, I've chosen to do not, you know, and, and I think because of that, I have the ability to say I've chosen to do this because it makes me happy in some way. And actually, this is another thing is like, how do you talk to your kids about why you're leaving them or why you're going off to work? I used to say, because I have to, you know, I have to be here. I, I, you know, whatever. Now I say I get to, I get to go do this cool thing and I can't wait to learn about it and I'm going to come home and share it with you. And it makes it makes it clear that what I'm choosing to lead them to do is actually a great thing. I tell myself this all the time and I'm going to say it to you guys too. Like you can have it all, but not all at once. And you really shouldn't want it all at once because what's the fun or joy in doing anything if you're trying to do everything all together? If you're rushing through everything, if you're totally scattered, if you're not enjoying it, if you're not feeling filled up by it. Um, so if I, it, you know, I, I've become extremely efficient and um, and strict with myself about saying no to things that are not essential and saying no to things that maybe before I would have had time to do and I just don't anymore. Um, but but the things that I keep on my on my calendar, I really I, I feel very privileged to get to do and I let myself feel that privilege and feel happy about it. Are there any other like final 
tips or tricks that you've learned either personally along the way or that w- women from the mom or men from the mom yes. brain podcast have taught you that are just like mind blowing? We had an episode come out in February with Lenore Skenazy, who wrote a book called Free Range Parenting about this time that she let her nine-year-old son left him on purpose because he'd asked to be given an opportunity to be left somewhere he and and find his way home. Um, that sounds traumatic. Traumatic. Oh he yeah. asked for this, though. I know. <laughs> but I'm traumatized. And this is, and again, you have to remember, this is a family and a kid who grew up in Manhattan and, like, rode the subway all the time and really wanted a chance to sort of test his navigational cartography, like, skill set, whatever. put a tracker on him and say, go well, so, for it. Right. So I said, like, did you, like, follow him from, a, you know, a safe one block distance the whole way home? And she was like, no, I went home. And he found his <gasps> way home. And he loved it. I mean, loved it. Which is, again, it really freaks me out. It really freaks you out. I get it. But she made a big big splash talking about this experience of how in an effort to protect our kids and to make life really happy and good for them, we actually make them, in her mind, very anxious, very scared because any negative, they're, they're not basically not given an opportunity to deal with small challenges and maybe negatives and maybe, you know, upsets or whatever. So that when slightly bigger things and then really big things happen as they become adults, they can't deal with it. It's why she said, like, this is why, you know, a speaker comes to a college campus who has a different viewpoint than the than the student has. And they feel physically terrified and like anxious and vulnerable and scared in a way that we can't really process because we I think, you know, we're all in our 30s. We grew up in a generation, I think, that was like one step removed from this where you probably still walked your dog around the block or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. rode your bike to a your corner store yeah. or your friend's house or whatever. Like you have those little it's those little things like, like yesterday I was making pancakes with the kids and I was pouring hot butter into the batter and Philomena was like, it's hot. And I was like, I know I'm not going to burn you, you know, keep stirring, just be safe about it. And she did, and it was totally fine. But there were these little, like, I grew up cooking with my mom all the time. For sure, I was around, you know, hot pasta sauce, like things that were dangerous, quote unquote, but that I was given small and manageable and age-appropriate responsibility to be around that even those little things theoretically make you less and less anxious, less and less depressed, which Mm -hmm. is the byproduct of anxiety. Um, In some cases, obviously, you know, not dealing with like chemical stuff. But um, anyway, this was like, it was just totally eye-opening to me about giving your kids little ways to feel independent, little ways to feel responsible, little ways to test boundaries so that in the long run, they feel more capable in themselves. I love that. I thought that was really cool. I love that so much. Okay, we're going to end with this, something fun. Your online makeup tutorials. <gasps> you my favorite. <laughs> really incredible. <laughs> you completely transform yourself in 10 minutes and you share the whole process. And then there's one of you pregnant in your kitchen, uh-huh. which is amazing. So I guess just quickly tell us about that and how does that instill confidence in you? I'm a total product junkie and I really, you know, especially now being, you know, through pregnancies and stuff, I, I've you know tried to, you know, bring in more and more clean beauty as well. But really, you know, I'm about effectiveness and I, and I want results and I think I love live, you know, 90% clean in the rest of my life, the way I eat, what I clean my house with, you know, all this stuff. So if I need to use a few less clean beauty products, I think it's, um, if they really do the trick, I think it's important. Um, but, you know, I, I I grew up watching my mom do her makeup. I have always loved, like, the glamorous side of that experience of 
accentuating your best features, making yourself feel beautiful, putting your best face forward, um, and the artistry of, like, I can literally, I mean, I I showed my eyeliner trick a bunch because it makes my eyes, which can sometimes be, like, sad or droopy or, like, just tired, makes them feel, like, alert and alive and upturned where you feel suddenly very, like, swoop? Is it the swoop at the end of the cat eye? So the trick is, basically, take your pointer finger and hold it up at the widest part of your eye, so, like, the highest distance top to bottom of your eye. That is where your liner should start. So you put your pencil or your liner there and then literally go, like, with your eye open, go straight out. And that provides, like, the perfect build of a very natural, quote-unquote, wing without looking like a cat eye. it lifts the edge of the eye up. It lifts the edge of your eye up, which makes you look younger, more awake, less droopy, happier. Sexier, I might like not all the actually good be happy about my eyes. <laughs> but by the way, then you go and look in the mirror, and one thousand percent, when you see yourself looking the way your mind's eye sees yourself, which is probably when you were like twenty three. <laughs> you know, when you see <laughs> when you see yourself putting your best face forward, it a thousand percent changes your mood. It a thousand percent changes your effectiveness, your confidence, all the things that are important. The newest technique I just I'll share this with you. The newest thing I just learned is I'm a fan of like a big swoopy, very dramatic va va boom lash. And I've tried a million different formulas. And the problem is a new tube is always quite wet. So you never get, like, the curl and the lift that you want. A new tube of mascara. A new tube mm-hmm. of mascara. Uh-huh. And the reason is because when it's wet, like, think about trying to curl a wet hair. It's not going to hold heavy. the curl. It's very heavy. So you, the trick is, even with a new tube, you take the wand out of the, you know, you swirl it to get some product on, and then wave it in the air for, like, 15 seconds. Oh. And then put your mascara on. And don't double dip when you're putting the second layer. So I do one, I do top of one eye, bottom of that eye, move to the top of the other eye, bottom of that, go back to the first eye, do top uh, again. Let it dry. And you let that, you're, the whole time the product is drying, so you get this much better, like, wonderful Ooh. lift. Or there you, you just um, have, like, six-month-old mascara like me. <laughs> Ooh, I always and it's, like, always partly dry. Uh, that's, the, that's why. It's because it's partly dry. It does a better job. I just don't it keep track. It clumps better. I'm really bad. Thing. I know. I need to put labels. I wish every makeup thing came with a label of the day you bought it. Oh I mean, gosh. old mascara is the best. It is the best. It Until it becomes gets the worst. Like and then you're nice like, what is Do you have a favorite <laughs> mascara brand? Well, right now I've been using um, Tarte that I really like. It's oh. yeah, And then um, I've tried the Honest Beauty one, too, that comes with a primer. That's what I'm using right now. It's great. Even with Without the primer, yeah. it's so good. Well done, yeah. Jessica Alba. Mm-hmm. That's nice. my favorite honest product, I think. <laughs> I like it I've lot, started yeah. using Elia, which is a clean. I just got sent that one. Brand. You like it? It's I, good. You need layers. Okay. So it's like a three-layer mascara. Oh, okay. I'm a builder. I like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, um, my mind is blown on many levels. Um, parenting, sex, makeup, everything. All Thank my you. Topics. Where can we learn more about you, everything you're up to, all of the mascara tutorials? <laughs> um, I am I spend a lot of my time on Instagram at Daphne Oz, um, and you know, Facebook and other social things, but um also DaphneOz.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Daphne. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Send us your feedback and find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media at Brit and at Brit & Co. A special shout out to my two co-hosts, Ange, who you can find on Instagram at Angelica Temple. And of course, my husband and partner in everything, Dave Morin. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Christine Swore and Ali Perry with additional production and sound design by Aaron Kaufman. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next time.